Good morning. Welcome to the latest episode of How to Get Along, the podcast that helps you build conflict resilience. In each of our episodes, we dissect one conflict. The idea is to help us gather all this information and learn how to manage the difficult conversations and painful feelings that arise when we have those difficult conversations. Hey, my name is Amy Garzito, and I am a conflict alchemist. I will be your guide on this journey, and I'm looking forward to hearing our next podcast speaker. So today on our show, I'm going to call Michelle Tremblay. She's the sole proprietor and founder of Empower Lives. She works with schools, communities, and corporations where she focuses on anti-bullying, wellness, and self-regulation. She is a sought-after keynote speaker and a third-degree black belt in karate. Michelle is going to give us a conflict, and we're going to talk about it for a couple of minutes. And then after that, I'm going to dissect it and give you some key strategies to take away so that you can get better at managing conflict. So I'm going to call her right now, and she is uh, hopefully going to... Oh. Hey there, how are you? Good, thank you. Okay, uh, so you can hear me okay? I can. Excellent. So I've already uh, let our audience know that you are Empower Lives. I've let them know the kind of work that you do, uh, that you are an amazing keynote speaker, and you have a third degree black belt in karate. A second. A second. <laughs> oh, I lied. I lied. All right. Thank you for the correction. Uh, Michelle, you are going to describe to me a particular conflict that you have uh, with with that happens in your workplace, correct? Yes. Awesome. I um, I do after school programs and I often run into children that have obviously issues with sitting still. Um, focusing and not obviously um, it's an issue at times for us to even sit still but when it's continual and you feel like you've tried everything um, it becomes really frustrating and as an instructor I think that can come out too just with your tone of voice trying to get control of your class so in my experience what I've had problems with is being able to try to find these solutions Uh, maybe getting kids to breathe but getting the parents to interact with me. And one specific situation was a parent that I did talk to about it. And they said to me um, and asked their child right in front of me if they were, did they learn in the class? Did they understand what I was teaching? And they could show what was happening, but the child still could not maintain um, a a good sense of ready to learn or pay attention. So I was wanting to ask you what I could do to be a better practice in my in my instruction. Okay, this is great. Now, um, Michelle, can I, can I ask a couple of more questions to get a sense of what's happening here? Sure. So, when you went and spoke to the family, do you remember what you said? I had said to them that I had 
um, problems with their son sitting still in class. He would get up, move around. Um, he would talk to other kids, and he would disrupt disrupt the flow of me. He'd speak over top of me, or he'd just move off and do what he was doing. And the parents were kind of shocked when I had said that. And there was a bit of a language barrier, too, as well. Right. So I was aware of that, but I was trying my best to maybe put him beside someone that could speak the same language. Um, but it was still, it wasn't working. And right. the parents got frustrated um, just even with him and looked at him and, and was saying, you know, you know you're supposed to pay attention in class sort of thing. So that was a part of it. But then the rest of it was just kind of letting it be as like, oh, he'll try better next time. Okay. So Michelle, there was a challenge with one of your participants behavior, you tried to address it to the parents, the parents were shocked. Um, They, uh, there was also a language barrier between the child, but also with the parents as well. Yes, uh, the husband was actually much more um, fluent in English than the wife was when I first spoke to her. And, but um, the father came in afterwards and, and was able to, he was the one that put more of his foot down with his son, mm-hmm. saying that, you know, you're supposed to be paying attention into class. And, and of course, the son, I could feel like he, you know, he knew he was getting in trouble, but it felt like it still wasn't really solving the problem. Mm-hmm. So... Their way of of managing the problem that you brought up with the chi- with their child was to um, talk to the child, to be stern with the child, and to say um, you need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. So, was there uh, was there anything else that you saw the parents do to support the child? Or your no, or, or support your concern for the child. They were supportive of disciplining him, but I felt like that was not reaching the child. It was just kind of going in one ear and out the other, right. and it just ha- kept ha- it kept happening the next right. couple of days. So their strategy wasn't working. No, right, um, Michelle. Have you had any other converse any follow up with this family? Uh, not specifically because sometimes it's in and out of the schools. So um, I don't see parents on a regular basis. Like it's usually once a week. Um, but I felt, you know, I felt like I was letting them down by not being able to figure out what to do. And that was also frustrating on my end. Right. Because um, I wanted to find a new way to work with this. And tr- there must have been some kind of a key to this that I was missing. Right. Okay, that's great. Michelle, when this happened, can I ask you, like, I I hear you say you felt that you were letting the parents down. What else did you feel? A frustration. Um, I was irritated. I felt um, I couldn't teach to the best of my ability and I was letting the other students down because they were getting frustrated right. with this other person that was having to be pulled back into the class so they would be getting up too and it would just cause the class to almost um, be out of sorts like there wasn't a good flow to what was happening so I was managing my own self inside this right. which was 
it was really challenging. Yeah. Is there anything else you like think would be important for me to know before I go ahead and give some thoughts and ideas about this conflict? No, I, that's pretty much everything. Okay. Michelle, thank you so much for this conversation. And thanks for giving us this example. I am going to uh, finish our phone call. And then I'm going to go ahead and give some ideas. Uh, I'm going to parse this out. And then I'm going to and then I'm going to give you some takeaways. And I will let you know, and give you a link to this podcast. That's awesome. Thank you. Michelle, I hope you have a great day. And thank you so much for connecting with me here. Oh, it's great to uh, connect with you too. Okay, be well. Don't work too hard. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Ciao. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so I want to take a look at this conflict in two different lines. This is very common. This this notion where there is a challenging behavior is is common. So we are seeing this not just with children, we're seeing this with adults. So what I want to do is I want to give you a stream of how would you take care of this if you are talking to parents about a child? And the second stream I'm going to take is how would you take care of this if this was an employee? And you are talking directly to that employee. So let's start with the family. The irony here is I'm giving you these two streams, and they're very similar. So what I'm going to do is give you the child, the, the, the Michelle story specifically, and then the second piece uh, later on. Parents. It is, it is such a tough job to parent. And what I am aware of is that when we talk to a parent about their child, all sorts of things are happening with that parent. There's shame. There's pain. There is a sense that it is their fault, right? There's a sense that um, there's something wrong with my child, therefore there is something wrong with me. So when you talk about someone's child, assume it's personal. And that many parents in one form or another, they are an extension of their child. So what you say about my child, you say about me. The end game is always what we need to think about. And what we want is we want parents on side in helping us work together to help the child work and manage their feelings. This is about managing feelings. And we are increasingly seeing these deficits, both with children and adults. So the end game is to let the parents know, hey, your child is struggling. Your child is struggling, and we need to help your child together. In order to do that, we have to help them stay in a frame of mind where they're not feeling threatened and under attack. As soon as they are on the defensive, they're not going to hear you. 
One of the thing one of the first things to go when you're feeling defensive is your is your hearing. So that energy is uh, getting used because your body thinks it's under attack. And what you need to do is you need to frame it in a way where their brain is at its best state to hear you. So you're going to say calm, reassuring, and supportive information. And then you're going to give them some key takeaways that you're going to work with together. So how does that look? It looks careful. You start by providing information that lets you know that you're on their side. For example, hey, your son Jake, he's got a lot of inf- uh, lot of energy and he genuinely loves to play and move. I'm glad he's in my class. Don't say I'm glad he's in my class if you don't mean it. Only state what is true for you. Because a body knows if you're being, uh, if you're lying. So the purpose there is to align yourself and say something that is truthful. You know, Jake has a lot of energy. He loves to move and he loves to play. I can see that in him. I can also see that Jake is very smart. What Once you, you make that aligning statement, you then are able to state your observations and you just make the observation without the judgment. So you say, uh, when, when I am speaking, Jake will interrupt me. When I am having the students meditate and sit for 30 seconds, Jake will stand up and move around and push one of his friends to try to get him to play with him. This is what I'm seeing. So you just let the parent know this is what I see. You're giving data. And then you can say, I am worried. I am worried or I am concerned that Jake is not getting all the learning he needs. And I have three things that I'd like you to do at home that we're going to do here in the program so that we can help him learn to manage his feelings better. A a parent can hear my child's in trouble or a parent can hear my child needs a hand or my child is suffering much more in alignment than it to say my child is being a bad child if you if they hear you in your judgment say hey my child's being a bad child or he's annoying their first instinct is going to be to attack and say in some version or another no you're annoying it is our biology to attack when we're feeling pain or threat. So our work is to try to align with that parent and say, hey, I want what's best for Jake, and Jake is struggling to manage his feelings. And we know 
that his ability to manage his feelings directly relates to how well he will do in school, how well he will do in his future relationships. It's a very, very powerful skill. And we have to help him learn how to manage those feelings. I guarantee if you put it in those words, that parent is going to be all ears and there's going to be buy-in. You want to help to align the parent with the child and focus on the skills. You might be frustrated with the child's behavior and it might be very difficult. And trust me, I have been there. It is hard sometimes to manage my own experience when a child is is struggling or disrupting a lesson or a game or an activity. But the child is doing the best they can, and we need to help them manage that skill. So give them maximum three takeaways, because their brain is already flooded. So you give them three things maximum. Here's what I'm doing with Jake. Here's what we're doing in the class. Before the class starts, I give Jake three examples of what he can do when he has lots of energy in his body. I tell him he can shake his hands. I can tell him he can move his legs from side to side. And I tell him he can rub his belly three times. That's it. I would like it if you did the same thing at home. When you see him full of energy, tell him to use one of his three strategies. This way, we help Jake learn to take care of his big energy. So, let the parents know you're on their side. State the facts and then give no more than three strategies that you are going to do together and then review let you know go back to the parents how's it going what's the strategy Jake likes to use the best I'm noticing some improvement now here's where I notice it Shall we try? Can we add some extra tasks? But you have to go slow to go fast. So there you so there are the takeaways. Provide information, state that that aligns you with the parents, state the facts, give no more than 3 pieces of information. Okay, so that is the idea with a child. Now I'm going to shift this to talk about what do we do if this is somebody at work. So I want to give the um, the what if uh, in a case scenario where this is a worker you want to keep, right? So. This is somebody who has a valuable skill set and somebody who needs 
who you want to keep in your company. So what do you do with somebody who uh, disrupts your meetings, who comes late, who leaves early, who is uh, continually distracted, who is looking at their phone, or is you know multitasking, and you are unable to uh, get him, get him or her to focus on a meeting, a conversation, a project. And you want to keep this person. You, this person is valuable to you, and it's important that they see themselves as valuable. What do you do? Well, you're going to follow that four, uh, that three to four steps. So first, you want to talk to him or her. So let's call, let's call him, let's make it a girl this time. Let's make it Julia. So Julia is uh, a, a co-worker or uh, an employee who has an incredible skill, valuable skill set and she has struggles to manage her her body. She's struggling to manage her body, and she is easily distracted. You would set up a time to talk to Julia when you are feeling resourced. So back to episode one, always have these conversations when you're in a calm state and try to get them in a calm state. And you would do step one uh, with the parent to Julia, that as you would with the parent, you would do that with Julia. And you would say, Julia, your work is incredibly valuable to this company. I love the work that you do. You are fast and you, you work hard. I appreciate you work hard. So, the, so that's the first part. Let Julia know that you are on her side and that you appreciate and see the value that she brings to your community. And then you are going to do step two. You're going to state the facts. And you're going to say, here's what I see. When we're at a meeting, you're on your phone texting when we're working on a project and I'm giving you information, you are not giving me your face or your eye gaze. You are working on a computer. You're going to give Julia facts about what you notice, what you see, and then you are going to stop talking (laughs) and let Julia absorb the information. You're going to let her absorb the information, and you're going to take your time. And even if it's a pause where nothing happens, just allow her brain to hear that. And then you can say, my worry is that I see when we're having these meetings that you are you appear to be distracted and uh, doing two or three things at once and it sounds like you are missing some of the information as a result 
of being distracted. I want to work with you, Julia, to help you with some strategies on learning how to find a way to keep your focus. Just like that. You're just going to talk in a slow, focused way and say, I want to work with you to help you focus more and maybe minimize multitasking when it counts. So meetings, uh, when, when information clearly needs to be heard and understood. And it's, and it's not just about you hearing and understanding. The rest of the team needs to know that you hear and understand it. So here are my thoughts on how to support you in focusing in these particular areas. And then you would give her some strategies. So one might be before a meeting, um, I'm going to ask you to take a walk or move or just do what you need to get rid of some of that energy that you might have. So I'm going to give you a 10-minute count before a meeting happens, and my request is that you stop everything that you're doing, move, and get use up the energy that you have prior to that meeting to help you stay focused. And then then get buy-in. What do you think about that? Is that? Does that make sense? Can we try it? Do you have another idea? Maybe they're going to tweak it in a different way. At every step, the idea is you want to play the long game. You want Julia to feel connected, valued, and that you're on her side. You also want Julia to know that this is a problem and that you're willing to help her work through this problem but that you expect that Julia does the work. So here, again, is the strategy. You would provide information that lets Julia know that you're on her side. Julia, I love the work that you do, and I really appreciate that you've been with this organization for from the beginning. It is... Your work and presence is important to me. Again, for step one, I'm going to remind you, tell the truth. If it does not ring true to you, don't say it. Step one, let her know that you're on her side. Step two, state the facts. Julia, this is what I see. State the facts and pause, give her an opportunity to hear, respond, and and pay attention. And then step three, align yourself back. Here are three things that I would like us to try to help support you in staying focused in these key moments. And you can just, and this can be one idea, 
two ideas, no more than three, or you can offer two ideas and say, do you have a suggestion? Do you have a thought on what would help you do this? The key concept that we're talking about in this podcast is that in order to have a conversation about the change of some behavior, you have to at first be in alignment. You have to tell the truth. You have to focus on data. And you have to take your feelings. You have to manage your body and your feelings during this time because the time and place to tell Julia or Jake Uh, that they're frustrated or Jake's parents is not during this conversation. You need to let, uh, let somebody else know that you're frustrated or upset about it. The first conversation, your job is to manage your feelings so that Jake or Julia get a clear sense of what the problem is, that you want to support them, that they're safe, but that there's an expectation and some solutions, some offers as to what they can do to make this better. Okay, that is a lot of information. This is uh, great that you are still with me. I am going to have these key concepts and takeaways in my show notes. And I want to also let you know that uh, my website, www.creativeedgeconsulting.com, has a ton of great information in my blogs. Uh, My blogs also have some some, uh, previous uh, workshop notes and takeaways. So there's there's lots there in the articles and in the cheat notes from the workshops. In addition, if you have a conflict that you want some support with, if you want to be a a guest on my podcast and make the 10-minute call, you are so welcome to contact me at creativeedgeconsulting.com and I can promote your your problem-solving skills and you can be another uh, example of a conflict that we can parse out. Have a great morning, everyone. I look forward to learning more about who all of you are in my podcast. Feel free to send me a line or get some more information. I'm curious. And in the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be well.